Let's pray. Lord, I um, have in mind Psalm 103, God, and not just in mind. I'm just going to read it, Lord. Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise His holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things He has done for me. For He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like eagles. So Lord, you know how how worried and how scared I am right now. And um, God, I just pray that in these moments we... We just lean into you. God, that it's just a moment where we learn more about you. And God, we just cling to it. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you'll be just so present and that you'll speak the words. And God, that our lives will be changed forever. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So I said to him, I'll never call you by any name other than your own. And I need to touch your... Okay, if you missed that story, I don't have a story today that will top that one. Okay, I don't have another humiliating pickup line that was the worst that was ever... Maybe it's not the worst pickup line ever, but it was certainly terrible. So don't use that one. If you missed it, God bless your soul. Um, I was trying to think of a funny story to tell to kind of get things going because I like being funny, first of all. And um, then I got to thinking about Saturday when we were at league. And um, the triple threat, Dawn and Kayla and I, we had to play a league team because there weren't enough teams. So there was a league team and it was against us. And um, I'm not an athlete. I don't know if you've noticed. Um, But... We had to play, and then Kenny decided to be the goalie for that team. And, uh, of course, he kicked the soccer ball at my head, as Kenny would do. And because I'm not an athlete, I kind of gave it like a move like that to try to kick the ball that was aimed at my head. So that went well, and it was just, I don't even know what. It was just not, we're, we're What? <laughs> you talking about the time that you, that you got kicked in the stomach or the time that Kenny tried to break Dawn's hand because breaking your hand wasn't enough. Um, but I... I <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate that, Keith. Um, I much, 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 much prefer being funny. I, I don't prefer the seriousness. I, I just like... We were talking in small groups one night, probably last year because I was over here. And the question was, what do you want to be known for? And like in a half a heartbeat, I thought, I want to be known as funny. Because that's the most important thing to be known for, you know. (laughs) That gives you comfort as I'm about to share God's word with you, I'm sure. Um, But I just really kept begging God. I was like, "Please, please just let me tell a funny story. I like funny so much better. And he was like, no, I don't think so. So... Uh, I'm going to tell you a story I really don't want to tell you, but I'm going to tell it to you anyway, so good luck with that. Um, I was, I became a Christian when I was nine at what was then called GA camp. Did anybody grow up in the Baptist church and attend GA camp? Oh my goodness gracious. So it was supposed to be about missions, but I think really it was about 
eventually getting dressed up and being presented before the church and getting a crown. So I did that part too. But anyway, so you, when you're nine and you grow up in a Baptist church and you get saved at GA camp, you come back home and you get baptized because that's what you do. That's just the next step. And so then I went to Baptist college and I got a degree in religion and then I did a year in seminary. And for some reason, when I say it like that, it sounds like I did a year in prison, which, you know, whatever. But um, I had Jesus all figured out. And then we started Simple Church. And life as I knew it was wrecked forever. And our pastor came up with this little saying that he uses when he baptizes people that just literally began to wreck my life completely. And I still believe that I I became a follower of Christ when I was nine, but for whatever reason, God just really began to do something in me that I, I needed to be baptized again. And I think it was the line that when he says, do you commit yourself to denying yourself and following the Holy Spirit that lives in you? And I don't always accomplish that very well, but that sure is what I want to be. And I I just kept having this great desire that I wanted to do that. Like I wanted to be baptized and I wanted I wanted people to know that I meant it. Like that that really was me. So I did. I got baptized right there. And that was on August 21st of last year. And then a few months after that, uh really started um the hardest year of my life, the absolute hardest year of my life. Um, And there are people in this room who have lived through unimaginable tragedy. You You have buried children, you have buried parents, you have buried spouses. You have lived through things that I have not, I have not even dreamt of. I, I don't even know. I don't have any idea what it's like to go through something like that. And my battle has not been something like that. My battle, my struggle is in my mind. The enemy eats my lunch every cotton-picking day. <clears throat> I read an article by Beth Moore Uh, Not too long ago, she wrote it several years ago, but it was called To the Servants of Jesus in Your 30s and 40s. And it's it's written about people who have been Christians for a little while, and they're a little further down the road in their faith. And um, she says, she, she has some very complimentary things to say about these people and how she's watched them do great and mighty things for the Lord, and she's watched them do all these wonderful ministries and projects and this sort of thing. And then the whole article turns and she says, I watch you awaken to the war. That's why I'm writing today. You didn't know it was going to be like this. You had no idea what you'd stepped into. You think you must have done something wrong to make it this hard. When you started out, it wasn't like this. You haven't really told anyone and not very many people, mainly because you're too embarrassed. You have no idea that every other person worth his or her salt in the kingdom of the living Christ is either going to go through their very own version of the same thing or they're enduring it that very minute. And it is hellacious. The enemy comes for you. You had sort of become convinced that the devil was not real, 
not that specific, not that personal, not that aware. And surely God would not allow him to mess with your kids. And it's not just the enemy, it's your own vulnerabilities erupt into liabilities. Life's taken a crowbar to every crack in your armor. You're tempted to do things you swore you'd never do. That you judge someone else for doing. You've come of age. What you're going through is how it goes. And I don't know why on earth we older ones are not telling you more often and with more volume. There is suffering in the growing up. Among other things, you're forced to face the deceiver and the pretender in your mirror. I will turn 40 five months from today. And I was under the impression that by the time you turned 40, you pretty much had life figured out. You know, you had learned how to see all you people who are laughing. You're over 40. <laughs> you just gave yourselves away. <laughs> but I thought you, you know, by now you'd lived long enough and you were seasoned enough and you, you would know how to defeat the enemy. You would know, you'd see his, his schemes coming or you'd know how to identify it better and uh, that has not just not been the, the case for me at 39 and a half. It was, uh, I think, five or six weeks ago on a, on a Thursday night. And nothing particular was going on or happening or anything like that. We had been out to eat at Lost Mex, and um, we had done what we always do. We laughed a lot and told a lot of jokes and... Um, I love being in the joke, of the joke, part of the joke most of the time. And um, we probably sat around, talked about Haiti a good bit, I'm sure, moving there and that sort of thing. I, I don't know if it's a surprise. You know, we always think we're hiding things more so than we really are. It's probably not a secret or surprise to learn that I'm, I'm a real highs and lows kind of person. The highs are real high and the lows are real low. And for some reason, that day, the low was pretty low. Lucy Kate and I have the same reaction oftentimes when our parties are busting up. We both want to cry, and Brian won't let us. And so we just have to suck it up and go home. And that particular night, uh, I, I really, really, really did not want to go home alone. And nobody on the planet wants to be married more than I do. I also understand there are benefits to being single, okay? So not every day is like this. I, I get it. I I can see the, you know, but, but this particular day, it was very, very difficult to, to just go home and nobody be there. And I don't know, I, maybe, maybe jealousy kicked it off. I, I don't know what, I don't remember the particulars. Um, but when I got home that night, I just went, I went back to my room and I just laid down on the floor next to my bed leading into the bathroom, and I, I don't know what, I don't know what clinical suicidal means, I don't know, I, don't, I didn't look it up because I didn't want to know the answer, I just know that night I, I really did not want to be alive anymore, I was just tired, man, I was just, I was tired of fighting the fight, I was tired of being beat up by the enemy, I was tired against the, of the war against the flesh. I was, I was just tired.
said, well, I did something I've never done before. And I, I just pulled out a piece of paper, and I thought, well, if I was going to write a note and leave it behind, this is what I would say. And I wrote it down, and I just kind of threw it under the bed, and I just kept laying there, and I didn't really want to kill myself. I just, I just didn't want to struggle right then. So I just kept laying there, and there was no, there was no great revelation. There was no moment where you know everything clicked and all of a sudden sadness turned to joy and you know praise the Lord or anything like that. I just I don't know if it was if it was audible or if it was just in my heart or what, but I just felt the Lord say, "Get up, get up." And I truly, truly believe it came from him. And so I, I did. I just, I got up and I, um, I washed my face and, and just went to bed. There wasn't any, I don't know, there wasn't any archangel singing or anything. It was just take the next breath. So... Um, Andy, we were listening to Andy Stanley not long ago. He said that anytime he goes through a difficult time, that he looks to the scripture to see if there's any story where somebody else has gone through that kind of thing. And so, I don't have time to explain to you all of biblical history, okay? But in a nutshell, I want to put some context around a story that we're going to look at tonight. So the Israelite people are slaves in Egypt, okay? They're just like, they're, they're from Israel. That's why they're called the Israelites, like you're American, okay? It's nothing more complicated than that. So they're slaves in Egypt, and the Lord says that he's going to release them. He's going to set them free so that they can go and worship the Lord. That's the whole point in why he sets them free in the first place. And then all these miraculous things start to happen. You know, they've got the part. You know, first of all, they had to get out of Egypt with the plagues and the whole thing. That's a whole, I'm not even kidding. And then you have the parting of the Red Sea. And then they're fed in the wilderness from bread that just appears on the ground and birds that appear out of nowhere. And... Moses is their leader, and he leads them out of Egypt. And so that's where we get the story of the parting of the Red Sea. And um, at one point in time, they, the water comes from a rock. You know, just all these kinds of really supernatural things are happening, including that they are just led by the Lord with a pillar of fire or a pillar of cloud. So if it's daytime, there's clouds. They just have to follow the clouds. If it's nighttime, they just follow the fire, you know. Don't you wish it was that easy some days? But anyway, so they're on their way to their new home. The Israelite people disobey God, and so he tells them that they cannot enter this land, this new area, this promised land, this land they have been promised. Get it? And so they can't go because they've sinned against God. This generation that should have taught the younger ones what to do, they don't get to go in there, and that includes Moses. He doesn't get to go either. And so Joshua is their new leader. And they get to the edge of this land. They have to cross another river to get into this land. 
and they realize that somebody else already lives there. There's actually a lot of somebody else's that already lives there, okay? There's, there's a great number of people over there, as a matter of fact. And it comes time to cross the river that get into the land that God has promised them, okay? And that's kind of where we're going to start. It's in Joshua chapter 1. We're going to read just a few verses from there. <clears throat> if you've got a Bible, Joshua chapter 1 is where we're going to start. Um, you know, as David Platt says, if, you'll open, if you have a Bible, and I hope that you do, and if you don't have a Bible, don't leave this place until you have one. We have some we can give you, okay? So Joshua chapter 1, we're, we're going to hit a few of these verses here. It says, The time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I'm giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land that I, that I have given you. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. In verse 7, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. You will be successful in everything you do. Study the book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. And so Joshua tells them to get ready. And the first place they're going to go is Jericho. Jericho is a city that has a huge wall around it. And the reason they did that was to protect the city. It was so nobody could come in and kill them. Okay, that's the whole point of the walls in the first place. And in uh, chapter 4, verse 13, it says that there were 40,000 armed men ready for battle. And in, verse, and in chapter 5, it says that the people who saw the Israelites coming, they were paralyzed with fear because they'd heard all about what the Lord had done for the Israelites. And so God's given them the instructions. He's given them the plan. He's given them the, the time to go. He set the whole thing up. And all they have to do is follow him. That's all they've got. All they've got to do is follow him and obey what he said. That's it. <clears throat> so Joshua chapter 6 this is how the Lord tells them to fight the battle. He doesn't just tell them to go and fight. He tells them specifically, this is how I want you to fight the battle. And it says, you and your fighting men, this is Joshua chapter 6, verse 3. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you're to march around the town seven times with the priests blowing the horns. When you hear the priests give one long blast on the ram's horns, have all the people shout as loud as they can. Then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into the town. So you've got 40,000 men who are ready to fight. And God says, no, 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 no. We don't need a sword. You need a trumpet. Just a horn, just a ram's horn. That, that's all we're going to do. We're just going to walk around the city, and we're going we're gonna to blow these horns. And then on the seventh day, we're just going to shout, and the walls are going to fall. And there's some theories that say that the wall, Jericho was kind of built up on a hill, and so if the walls fell, then it'd kind of make it more level, and they could just walk right in. We're just going to shout, and it's just going to fall down just like that. And I, because of the many, many times that Kenny has come to me and said something the Lord has told him that it sounded ridiculous to me, and I have said, I'm not sure you're, you probably need to pray about that some more because that can't be right. Um, I just imagine that there had to be somebody in the crowd who went, okay, I'm sorry, do what? I mean, I, okay, okay, I get it. Like, I'm sure. Okay. But 
um, did he did he happen to mention a plan B? Because I mean, I'm just not so sure this is gonna work. And then I got to thinking about that wall right there, okay? And Israelites and weapons. Okay, you seen my big my big sword, my big Goliath sword? I brought it last time too. This thing is so heavy, by the way. This is my brother's. He's one of those weirdos that collected swords when he was little. He's a weirdo, okay? Anyway, so 40,000 men have whatever, swords. They're ready for battle. They're ready for battle. Let's take the city. I don't know how that works because I'm, I'm not a man, whatever. Okay, and then they go, no, 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 no. I don't have a ram's horn because I don't have a ram, but I have a trumpet, okay? Just bring the trumpets, and I got to thinking, like, what if, what if Kenny and Brian and Shane were having a conversation, and I was eavesdropping like I always do, and they said, Kenny said, hey, guys, I'm, about to, I'm tired of that wall. I'm gonna, I think it's, we need to take it down. And I said, no, 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 no. Stand down, men. <laughs> I got this. I can't play the trumpet when I'm laughing. I've already tried wall had fallen. Y'all would have freaked out, by the way. Okay. But that is ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, you just, you just, we're just going to march around the city and then we're going to blow a trumpet and the walls are going to fall. And listen, I, you know, it, the most astonishing part to me is that they did it. They just got up early the next morning and took at least 40,000 armed men and the seven priests, and the Ark of the Covenant, and the people, and they marched them around that city playing trumpets. And then on the seventh day, they did it seven times and then shouted, and the walls fell down. I, I just, I can't even comprehend. I mean, I really kept thinking about it. I was like, I really don't get it. I mean, I just don't get it. I don't, I cannot, I cannot imagine what that must have been like. They didn't even... They didn't have to do anything except obey and just do what he said, really. So part of the instruction had been, do not take anything. You don't get to take any souvenirs. You don't get to take any treasures. There are things that are set apart for the Lord, and do not take it. And one guy screwed it up for everybody. One guy took some stuff, took it back to his tent, and he buries it under the ground in his tent, okay? And so the story goes that the next, very next battle that they are supposed to fight should be an easy battle. It's a little town or a little city or something like that. Some spies go out and they kind of spy the whole place out. And they come back to Joshua and they say, look, this is, this is really not going to be that big a deal. We probably don't need to take more than 3,000 people with us. And Joshua doesn't know that this person, this man, has stolen this stuff. And so he agrees. He's like, okay, I mean, I, you know, I think you're probably right, so y'all go out and do that. And they get their tails handed to them, okay? There are 36 men that are killed just while they are retreating, just while they're running away. They are absolutely, it's, the Bible says that they are the ones, in Joshua chapter 7, verse 5, it says, then it's the Israelites who become paralyzed with fear. Their enemy no longer fears them. They're the ones now afraid. And so in the blink of an eye, 
Now, the Israelites have gone from being the heroes to the zeros. Okay, there, I mean, it is absolutely a t- complete turn of events. And Joshua chapter 7, in verse 6, it says that Joshua and the elders of Israel tore their clothing in dismay, threw dust on their heads, and bowed face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord until evening. Then Joshua cried out, O sovereign Lord, why did you bring us across the Jordan River if you're going to let the Amorites kill us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side. Lord, what can I say now that Israel has fled from its enemy? For when the Canaanites and all the other living people in the land heard about it, hear about it, they will surround us and wipe our name off the face of the earth. And then what will happen to honor your great name? They've just seen something unimaginably great happen. And now they are completely defeated. And I've never been in battle like Joshua was. I've never been in that kind of battle. But I have seen God do really, really great things in what seemed like at the drop of a hat, the enemy attacks or my sin or somebody else's sin affects my life to the point that my life is turned upside down and now I'm face down on the ground going, God, what? What just happened here? And I thought about, I just made a, thought about all these questions. I made a list. Why'd you bring us here if you were just going to let them kill us? And Joshua said, if only we'd been content to stay where we were. God, why'd we follow you? Why didn't we just stay where we were? We were better off back there. What are we going to do now? How can I encourage people after this? How our enemies will hear about it and they'll devour us. Nothing will be the same. You ever been to that point where something so bad has happened you thought nothing will ever be the same? How will we get it back? How will people trust you when they see that I've been defeated so badly? We are ruined and because of that, your name is ruined. I thought, how devastated he must have been. He just, he literally, the Bible says, he laid there face down on the ground. (laughs) And then Joshua chapter 7, verse 10 says, but the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why are you laying on your face like this? He says, get up, in verse 13, command the people to purify themselves in preparation for tomorrow. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Hidden among you, O Israel, are the things set apart for the Lord. You'll never defeat your enemies until you remove these things from among you. And Joshua realizes what's happening. He, he basically realizes there's an enemy among them, and, and God's going to fix it tomorrow God's going to fix it. There's going to be repentance. And that's what's going to bring life back to Israel. And I I don't have any idea what anybody else's story is. All I know is what my story is. Getting up for me looked a lot like it did for Israel. It revolved, it involved repentance for me, for for jealousy and for bitterness and for thinking that God had cheated me out of something. And Kenny talked about last week, he said, you know, we don't go to the Word because it makes us feel bad. And it does. It does make, it makes you feel bad when you read the Word and you see who you are in light of who God is or your sin pointed out to you. That's tough. 
but it brings life. It's not just that God's punitive. It's not just that God, you know, wants to pick on you or he wants to point out your sin and he wants to tell you what a terrible person you are. It's to show you who he is. Because he has the words to eternal life. Since that day, that, you know, five or six weeks ago, I mean, I've, I've probably only committed, you know, maybe 756,000, you know, wrong, terrible, sinful things since then. So, I mean, I, I'm not saying that maybe there will be for you, okay? Maybe there will be this moment where just the switch flips and just everything's great and you find joy in the Lord like you've never had. That's happened for people before. But for me, it's been a little different. It's been more like just taking this every daggum day and just getting on my face literally and just letting God do something for me. I, um, I love Beth Moore. And I used to want to be just like her. I wanted to wanted to stand on a huge stage and hold my head up high and teach 10,000 women and this is awful but this is what I have to do um, this is how life looks more often for me now I wonder sometimes if these great heroes of faith that we have, you know, these, the disciples and the apostles and Paul and all these, Jeremiah and Daniel and Joshua, I wonder if we get to heaven one day and we just, you know, we want to run up to them and say, man, you were such a hero. You did the right thing. You know, you were such an inspiration to us. And I wonder if they won't just go, no, 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 you don't get it. It was just me leaning into him every single day. And trying to obey. He provided it all. It was just him. And for me, more days than not, when I'm with him, it sounds a lot more like the, the father in Mark chapter 9 where he says, I do believe. Help me with my unbelief. Or it sounds like Peter in John 6 where the Lord says, do you want to go? Do you want to run away too? Are you done too? And Peter says, where else are we going to go? We believe and know that you have the words to eternal life. In the beginning of Joshua, we read the instructions that Joshua was given. He says, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. I am offender number one, but I, I got to say it to you. We need to put our daggum phones away. I got to put my phone away. I got to quit worrying about what's on Facebook or you know, snap crap or Insta filter, you know, whatever you want to call it. I mean, who cares? 
Who cares? The book of John, 1 John, 1 John chapter 1, he says, We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. It's really come down to this for me. I don't have anything to offer anybody. It's, it's just Jesus or nothing. And I screw up all the time. I'm so thankful for his grace this year that I don't even know what to do with myself. Lean into him. I don't know why when things get hard, we run away. Just go to him. Lord Jesus, we just love you. And I just thank you for your word and for who you are and that No matter what we've done, no matter what we've said or thought, Lord, you just keep letting us come back. Lord, you don't just let us come back. You want us back. God, I don't know why we run away. God, I pray that you'll give us the strength to run to you. today and tonight and tomorrow and God we'll quit worrying about what everybody else thinks or what the world has to offer God and we'll just run to you we'll open your word God I pray this week that we are so driven and so compelled to open your word and read it God that we can't sleep at night until we've done that Lord, you have the words to eternal life. And I pray now, God, that we'll we'll know you and we'll read your word. And God, that you'll speak to us. So God, just give us the courage to follow you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody will stay.